Coming up on today's show, we're going to be talking about the Epic Games versus the Apple Saga continued, why everybody's mad at Facebook, and highlights from Nintendo's Indie Showcase, and more. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. We also have Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And Miss Rihanna Manuel. Hey. Hey. Long time no see, baby girl. I know. I'm back. Yeah. Welcome back to the Thank show. You. Good to see you. It's crazy because I don't feel like you've been away because <laughs> you and I just streamed together a couple of days ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, super but, successful stream. By the way, I mean, I killed a fly very aggressively. So in that sense, yes. Mr. Fly. Success was had indeed. If you want to watch Rihanna and I stream on Monday nights, of course, twitch.tv slash what's good games is a great place to do that. I want to thank this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Ate, Justin Foshi, Muhammad Muhammad, Marcus Brown, Punctified and Californicated. And welcome to our Patreon community, Jesse, Rue669, Alyssa Johnson, JD Shreds, The Final Boss Fight, Jeffrey Rogers, Joe Tremonte, and Wolf Lang. Don't forget that you can be part of the show by submitting your questions when Brittany asks for them every Wednesday at patreon.com slash what's good games. Brittany, what's another great way that people can be part of the show? They can be a part of the show by leaving us a podcast review. I have to admit for a minute, I'm like, where the fuck is she going with that? I'm like, okay, wait, it's next. It's literally next in the scripts. Let's go. So, yes, by leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform, we will give you a one-time shout-out here, and it's a good time. So, huge thank you to Vinny Lee, G. Hallett, Fat Baby Alert. Uh, Ape Fro Man 3, KP Ditto, Ross Oaks, DJ Melf, Lemur Facts 2000. The answer is six, who played off of my ground beef joke that I thought was really funny that no one else really appreciated. And he gives us this joke What do you call a cow that's whacking it? Beef stroganoff, 10 out of 10. Good joke. Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is a joke yeah. that exists in the world. It's I a like good it. joke. I mean, I kind of like the play on words, okay? Thank you. <laughs> the answer is six. I appreciate it. And the ladies, we have a WTF of the week that comes from Al Strojo. Al Strojo, whatever. Says, hi, I'm Allison, and I'm about to be eight. And I'm not that big of a fan of it. Sorry. I think you could do better. And I love reading and learning. And my dream is to be a pop star like Cardi B and Ariana Garanda and Alan Walker and some more. And yeah, LOL, I love I'm Blue and I'm a banana. And those are my favorite movie is Smurfs. I love it. That's all I want to say. Now, I saw this review came in and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Do you know where you are? <laughs> are you lost? You're also very competent for an eight-year-old. Yeah. Are you sure you're eight? Probably not. Very confusing. But still, uh, 10 out of 10 for innovation on the comments. Thank you, I guess. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. If you could leave us some reviews on your favorite podcast platform, it does help us out in the algorithm and it helps people like Allison find our show. 
listen to it. Hopefully they like <laughs> for it better more. for worse. <laughs> for better for exactly. worse. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and thank you everybody to writing in. So let's go ahead and get into the news. The first story is just a continuation of the Apple saga that has now been going for three episodes of What's Good Games. <laughs> it began with Microsoft. It continued with Facebook Gaming. It got spicy, though, with Epic Games, and we discussed that on the Monday show. If you missed it, highly recommend going back and checking that out. And Britt, you pulled this story, so would you like to recap it? I will. This comes from GameIndustry.biz via one Rebecca Valentine. Apple terminating Epic developer accounts, tools, access with an update. iPhone make a response to restraining order, says App Store ban is a problem Epic has created for itself. Oh, boy. AKA, get fucked. (laughs) Pretty much. Apple is not playing games. Apple is preparing to terminate all developer accounts and cut off iOS and Mac development tool access from Epic Games following a growing legal conflict between the two tech giants over revenue share and platform policies. In a tweet today of the 17th from the Epic Games News account, the company said it was filing a motion for a temporary restraining order against Apple to prevent it from cutting off its development access, which Apple apparently plans to do on August 28th. In its notice, Epic attests that this action by Apple would cause irreparable harm to Epic, including cutting off future development and updates on Unreal Engine for the platform, preventing developers making apps on Unreal from having access to newer versions, forcing them to move to other engines. The motion also moves to prevent Apple from delisting Fortnite from the App Store, an action that iPhone Maker has already that already took last week. And then there's an update on the 18th. Apple has responded with a statement reiterating that it expects Epic to abide by the App Store guidelines. Quote, The App Store is designed to be a safe and trusted place for users and a great business opportunity for all developers. I'm going to stop giving them that snoppy voice. Epic has been one of the most successful developers on the App Store, growing into a multi-billion dollar business that reaches millions of iOS customers around the world. We very much want to keep the company as part of the Apple development program and their apps on the store. The problem Epic has created for itself is one that can easily be remedied if they submit an update of their app that reverts it to comply with the guidelines they agreed to and which apply to all developers. We won't make it an exception for Epic because we don't think it's right to put their business interests ahead of the guidelines that protect our customers. Mm. Ooh, boy. That's a spicy meat ball, huh? They tossed mm. into the ring there. <laughs> I mean, I think this has absolutely got to force Epic's hand. And I already said on Monday's show that I thought it was very irresponsible and quite frankly, anti-consumer of Epic to be so irresponsible with what they did. There's nothing wrong with them going to Apple and saying, we want you to change your policy, but the way that they went about it was just so ridiculous in my opinion. But I'm not going to rehash my feelings. If you want to hear everything about that, you can listen to the Monday show. What do you think, ladies? Re, I think it is Epic. Ah, epic. I think it's wonderful <laughs> the way <laughs> Ab- Apple has just kind of like clapped back and said like, hey, here's the thing. This, These are the rules. Like, obviously, there's a lawsuit. So if somebody bigger than you says we have to change it, we will. But it is what it is. You agreed to this. This is what everybody else is complying with. Like, get with the program. Like, it's definitely a my way or the highway kind of kind of statement. And it makes perfect sense why they made it. It's just, uh, oof. it's a little, a little hot. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by it because of what we had, like, uncovered that one episode where we're like, oh, they're the number two most profitable company in the fucking world. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think they aren't going to care that much about you, Epic. Like, of course, they want your business because you make a lot of money. But even if you're gone, it's not like they're going to drop off that list anytime soon. 
Right. No, exactly. And Apple knows that they have all the power here. And the real people, again, to echo what we talked about earlier this week, that are losing here are the developers and the consumers of these Unreal Engine products, right? I've seen, I saw several developers making statements on Twitter after this news came out saying, well, I guess I'm sticking with Unity or, well, I guess I'm going to look for another <laughs> option for my business. Yeah. And like, that's such an unfair position to put developers in to say, you know, because of whatever beef Tim Sweeney has with Tim Cook, that they're going the to battle of the Tims. <laughs> it's like, you're going to like have all these people as collateral damage. It's like, yo, I get that Apple has their position and that Epic has their position. And whether we as consumers think one position is right or not, technically currently under the eyes of the law, the way the law stands, Apple is Apple's in the right. Yeah. Now, if, Epic wins their lawsuit, mm-hmm. that will change, right? And then there will be a different legal precedent set. Now, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the lawsuit. I'm not a lawyer, but it's clear that Epic violated the rules that they agreed to. Also, they've been operating on iOS for a long time and just decided now to throw a temper tantrum about it. I think they were just like, they saw what was happening with Microsoft and, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, we're going to get the white glove out here and we're going to do a little slappy slap and we'll see if we can make some changes happen here because of every maybe if everybody bands together, we can make this happen. But is that what you think that free Fortnite 1984 business was a white glove slap? <laughs> it's I mean, maybe not quite a white glove. That would have been a little bit more polite. I, mean, but, I think um, what we know, though, too, Simon, I mean, I agree with you, but they have clearly had these assets ready for a while because they knew oh, what they sure, were doing. Yeah. They just thought it was the perfect time to unleash the white glove slap. And it is interesting. <laughs> That's what how, I'm saying. Yeah. Like they were like the timing of this. The timing. Yeah. How Epic really has positioned themselves. And like Andrea said, we we talked about this for at length on the Monday show. But it's interesting how Epic has positioned themselves in a way that I feel like no matter what happens, they legally, yes, they can lose. But from a PR perspective, you know, they've they framed this whole situation for those who aren't actually digging into it and actually learning about what the whole process is all about. If they lose the legal battle, then it's like, oh, poor Epic's trying to stand up for the little guy and do the right thing. But if they win, then it's like, oh, Epic, you did the thing. Good job. You stood up for what's right. You know, it's it's just kind of interesting how this is all playing out. Yeah. It's really yeah, interesting sure. to think of Epic as the David to Apple's Goliath when they're there you both go. so, so rich. They're both Goliaths. They're just of different magnitudes. So rich. Oh, they're man. both so rich, Ree. That's a great, that's a great point. Um, yeah. Let those rich so fuckers I, fight. I hope that for the sake of the developers and for the sake of the community of consumers around the Unreal Engine gaming community on iOS that they come to an agreement and that they don't actually let this get dragged out in court for years and years and years, that they have some kind of a ceasefire moment where Epic's like, okay, we're going to pull this clear violation of the store guidelines of allowing people to pay us directly out of the store and we'll keep paying apple the percentage that we agreed to but in the meantime our lawsuit's still going forward and we're still going to try to fight it through more mature means do you think epic got a little confused (laughs) and thought that maybe this kind of campaign would work because it works in the video game space if they were doing this against another video game thing it could have worked like instantaneously mm. like i feel like gaming companies really buckle when they feel like they're <laughs> weaponized the, the gamers yeah that's a good point but like but it's apple and they're like 
LOL, LOL, LOL. Oh, if we have nerves <laughs> of steel. We're good. <laughs> ah, yes. And they have a pretty entrenched legal team, too. They yeah. Are no, like, they are no stranger. Throw lawyers at it. It's fine. <laughs> Just ask Samsung what it's like to go toe-to-toe with Apple. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my sure. goodness. Um, well, this is a bummer. Uh, a bummer for game players, a bummer for game developers. Yeah. I hope that Tim Sweeney recognizes that. He is, in fact, a game developer himself, so... Hopefully he can empathize with what they're going through and we'll work on a way to have a more amicable solution. Yeah. But again, uh, Apple, just like, just calm down, Apple. Just yeah. like, I feel like everybody needs to chill. Everyone, I feel like just the, let it go. everyone's just so heightened from like, the pandemic. That just <laughs> so much aggression. Everyone's on a hair trigger. Keyed up, keyed up. Yeah. It was yeah. like ready to fight. Yeah. Apple just needs to like. Speaking of the anti chill. Of this. Yeah, the complete opposite of keyed up. <sighs> Bring in some of the happy vibes because the Nintendo Indie Showcase happened. I don't understand also why they're calling it Nintendo Indie World. You made a whole brand of calling it Nindies. Yeah. Did you abandon this? Is this gone? That's a good I question. I liked the Nindies. I, liked, I did too. I think it was a cute name, but yeah. maybe they wanted the more SEO where it's like Nintendo Indie <laughs> and like people are typing into Google Nintendo and Indie hmm. versus a Nindie. Maybe. True. Maybe. Um, Britt, you took a gander at the showcase and you found some highlights that we are going to discuss now. Okay, let's do it. So yeah, Nintendo. Ooh. this comes from IGN. Nintendo's latest indie showcase offered an in-depth look at 14 upcoming Switch games, including some hitting the Nintendo console today, which was the 18th, while also teasing nearly a dozen more 19th. for release in the coming months. So oh, we're not going to run through all of these, but there were quite a few that stood out to me. The first one was Spiritfarer, and this was a surprise launch. And this is the cozy management game that has players exploring the afterlife and helping their sh- and helping to shepherd souls into their final rest. So if you remember, Simer, from Xbox mm-hmm. E3 2019, they showed that deer man, that deer character in this they demo. Did. And you said, oh, hey, we can fuck deer people now. <laughs> I, uh, was it this one? It was this one because I tweeted about it. And I found my tweet and I was like, ah, oh, Sam is so funny. But anyway, it's coming soon to Xbox Game Pass and PS4. It's not there yet, but it is on Switch right now. And it's getting really good reviews. I think IGN gave it a 9 out of 10. Yeah, it looks really, and- really cute. Yeah, and folks are saying it's just a really chill game. Yeah, you're, if you're watching on YouTube.com slash What's Good Games right now, we're showing some B-roll. It's about management, upgrading your boat, and just bonding with these animal friends that you have to help pass on to the afterlife. And I'm sure there's some deep and meaningful message in there as well that'll be emotional. I mean, you know? I feel like death itself is pretty profound. There's the dear person. to tackle. Hi, dear person. <laughs> you want to get it on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. All right. The next game we have is Garden Story. And I just like the, the synopsis of this. Play as a town guarding Concord grape, cultivating life in the grove. Restore the town, make friendships, stave off the rotten moor. This also oh, I played this at a PAX one year. Oh, did you? Is it finally coming out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 2021. I didn't get to play very much of it. The, the demo slice that they had was fairly short, but... It seemed like a cute little game. It looks really so. cute. And this, yeah, like Simon said, coming 2021 to Steam as well. The next one was Takashi and Hiroshi. And this is actually out now. It is a timed Switch exclusive. And the description is as follows. A new adventure with claymation-like visuals. The adventure <gasps> puts players in the role of a game designer, Takashi, creating a game to entertain his brother, Hiroshi. The first footage shows both scenes of the two brothers, as well as gameplay from the RPG Takashi is developing. So yeah, it sounds like the idea is that you are the older brother, and you are trying to keep your younger brother entertained. So you put him in your game, and you give him monsters to fight. Um, 
And you don't want to make it too difficult because then I'm assuming you'll just piss off your little brother. But I love the claymation style of it. And it just looks like a cute little wholesome game. And I'm excited to check it out. I audibly gasped when I saw the claymation style. I heard um, it. It's so great. Uh, I was so shocked. I, like it's not a, it's not a style a lot of studios explore, and I really actually I'm digging it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, old school Wallace and Gromit vibes, but like for today, yeah. big fan. There was another game that was using claymation, but I don't remember what it was. Andrew, you know what I'm talking about? It was yes. At- we saw it at the Xbox ID at Xbox Showcase yeah. at GDC last year. Um, let me look really quick. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but I think that's such a fun little thing. Claymation reminds me of those old Christmas movies. Yes, Aww. it reminds me a lot of also um, the scene from Parks and Rec where he's trying to do stop <laughs> uh, stop animation, and he's just like, "It took me three months to make this," and it's like maybe five seconds of work. It's like five seconds of a video. Yeah, claymation's tough. Well, Andrea's yeah. looking that up. The other game uh-huh. I want to cover. I don't remember. It's yeah, called, go ahead, Britt. It's called Raji, an ancient epic. And this is also out now. There are a lot of games that are like, boom, bitches, we're out now. <laughs> so Raji, the <laughs> first amazing. game from Nodding Heads Games, Nodding Heads Games, excuse me, is sent in ancient India and features Raji, a girl chosen by the gods to fight against a demonic invasion. It's set to hit Switch as a timed console exclusive, and it is out now. And so what I think is cool about this is that it's rooted in Indian culture, set in ancient India, and based off Hindu mythology. And I think that's something we also don't see a lot in video games. So I think it's really cool. And the gameplay itself looks really fun. It's an action adventure. I don't know if it's an RPG necessarily, but it looks like fun gameplay. So cool for new experiences being explored in video games. That's awesome. Yeah, it looks really cute. And finally, Bear and Breakfast, ladies and gentlemen. Bear and Breakfast. So this is a Time Switch exclusive coming in 2021. And here's the description. (laughs) Ever wanted to run your own bed and breakfast? Ever wanted to be a bear? If you said yes to both of those questions, then Bear and Breakfast is the game for you. Part adventure game, part management sim. Players will star as the innkeeper, Hank. A bear whose goal is to revitalize a shack into a thriving B&B, all while dealing with the mysteries of the surrounding forest. This is my jam. Yeah, look at at how cute this looks. Hank the bear. It like reminds me of Stardew a little and like the house and you like get to organize it, but you looks like you can customize a lot more. Um, I also like this animation. He's kind of a flop. He's a floppy bear. He's cute. He's cute. He is really cute. Yes, nighttime, nighttime art. Some of the other games that were mentioned as well, A Short Hike, which is something I did play that I'll be talking about in the hands-on section. Card Shark Torchlight 3 is coming to all consoles this fall, which is pretty exciting. And then Manifold Garden, Evergate, and then finally, Untitled Goose Game is getting co-op. And I think this is so freaking cool. That was one of the first things I thought about when I played this is how fun would it be in co-op. And it sounds like I would try to toot my own horn and say that House House was listening to me, but clearly <laughs> that's it wasn't just me, but that's okay. So this Get is coming boost. September 23rd as a free update. And I think I, uh, my favorite tweet that I saw about this was um, somebody gave a pun title and it was um, Goose of Tushima. Oh my God. Oh, that's from Joseph dude. Noob. <laughs> That was really good. Nice. Yep. And Nintendo also included a montage of other games on the way alongside release dates. Some of the notable ones, I think, is The Red Lantern, which is coming autumn 2020. Struggling, which is coming August 27th. Struggling is a really funny co-op physics game that Jason and I played, I feel like, two or three years ago at a PAX. And it's this grotesque 
like human that's all flesh and thorns. I don't know. It's weird, but it's mm-hmm. like my thing. Mm-hmm. And then She Dreams Elsewhere coming <laughs> early 2021, which I'm so excited about. She Dreams Elsewhere. I talked about it on the show a while back, but it kind of has some persona and mother vibes. And it's created by one one guy. And it just looks really good, too. So go Nintendo. It was a really good indie showcase. They did a really good, good job. For them. Yeah. I've been hearing good things about Manifold Garden as well. I think that's like the MC Escher puzzle game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you're like, it's playing with perspective and um, it's, uh, it seems like it would be giving me some cube vibes. I'm a big puzzle game fan, so I'm probably going to get into that pretty soon. Yeah. So it was a good showcase, but I think we're all still wondering what you got for the first party, Nintendo. What, what you doing? What you yeah. Doing? Mm-hmm. They're probably going to do something. Well, I mean, Nintendo doesn't historically do a ton of stuff around Gamescom. But maybe they will this year. Maybe we'll see something at opening night live. That would be great. I don't know. Yeah. Because they, they obviously needed more time with everything. But mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. happening next week. Ooh. Isn't it wild? Oh that we're God. already oh, yeah, yeah. at the end of August. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not time, yep. <laughs> it's not time for our October yet, though. So I don't care about it. <laughs> it it's indeed not October yet. Halloween is not here yet, everybody. Not yet. Still not summer. Breaking news. <laughs> it's not yet Halloween. Dang. Uh, well, thank you for that recap, Brittany. We really appreciate that. And right now, we're going to take a quick break to get a moment from our first sponsor of the show, MeUndies. MeUndies wants to talk about underwear. Like, seriously, they uh, have a lot of feelings about it, and they want to chat about it with anybody who will listen. And we love MeUndies here at What's Good Games, so let's go ahead and have this conversation. MeUndies just wants everyone to feel comfy as heck, with the freedom to express themselves, and that's why they make the world's softest undies in classic colors and fun prints, like dinos and surfboards. But whatever you put on every day, they want you to be comfortable being you in. Like how I'm comfortable throwing on my me undies pizza bra and brief set for lounging around the house because it's too dang hot mm-hmm. right now to literally wear anything <laughs> else but real talk me undies is serious about softness like so serious that they scoured the world for the softest fabric known to man it all starts with the sustainably sourced beechwood trees that magically turn from pulp to yarn to undies undies that kind of feel like heaven on your skin mm. for comfort from the outside literally to in the best way to stay comfortable and keep your under the best way to stay comfortable and keep your undie drawer stocked is with the Me Undies membership, a subscription that sends new pairs right to your door. Plus, you'll get site-wide savings and exclusive sales. The Me Undies subscription I got for John has saved me many dollars on my onesie problem that I have in the colder months of the year. <laughs> MeUndies has a great offer for What's Good Games listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you're going to get 15% off and free shipping. This is a no-brainer, you guys, especially because they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, plus that 100% satisfaction guarantee, you need to go to MeUndies.com slash WGG. That's MeUndies.com slash WGG. And you, too, can be comfortable in your underwear. The next story is kind of a weird one because it leaked and then it was officially revealed and then it sort Hmm. of had news about it. I'm kind of confused about it. I'm going to be honest. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is official and will be inspired by actual events. Is anybody surprised that Call of Duty leaked? (laughs) Uh, So surprised. This is my surprise face. Hmm. Let me see the surprise face. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> just... That is a very interesting face. I don't know if the word surprise is what I would I can't even think of a word to What does that even it. mean? I think that that face is just the visual representation of meh. It's just like, eh. Well, I guess that's actually an actual, a legitimate response to this. She's like, that's my actual response. <laughs> Let me read this story, shall I? Call of Duty Warzone may have somewhat overshadowed the rest of the Call of Duty franchise with the Battle Royale racking up 75 million downloads as of this month. Mm. But of course, Activision also wants to develop a new flagship Call of Duty campaign, and its name has just been revealed as Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. That's according to the official YouTube tease, which leaves us with many, many questions. I'm going to go ahead and roll this teaser because when i saw this i was like what's even yeah. what's even happening in this teaser so here you go take a look everybody at youtube.com slash what's good games the questions the verge has primarily what does the game actually look like because as you can see here you can't really see the game at all is it next gen of course it is it's definitely going to be next gen <laughs> and how does one properly punctuate the game's name that's probably the real question <laughs> is it call of duty colon black ops colon cold war probably not it does however promise that the game will be inspired by actual events and features a real speech by a real kfgb defector to help illustrate its point according to snippets of the text that flash in the teaser video that we're watching here many players may or interact with an alleged soviet spy hold on i think i skipped did i skip a line players may play or or interact with an alleged soviet spy you just missed one word there we go uh codenamed perseus whose goal was to subvert the U.S. to ensure Soviet dominance in the arms race. The real-life CAA has at least one article about a Perseus as well, who was supposedly among the spies that stole U.S. nuclear secrets from the Manhattan Project at Los Alamos. Mm. Alamos? Los Alamos? Alamos. At Los Alamos. The game will be formally unveiled on August 26th, so that's just next week. So soon. So this is is weird. I'm not going to lie. This is definitely the most unorthodox reveal for a Call of Duty game that I can remember in recent history. So on that note, Catherine Sizabo, patreon.com slash what's good games, submitted the following question. Does the Call of Duty Cold War trailer interest any of you at all? And do you think they will find a way to tie it into Warzone? As someone who has never played any of these titles, it kind of seems like they're running out of subjects and time <laughs> periods to cover. Even so, I'm curious to see how this one plays out. Yeah, as a Call I mean, of Duty fan, like... I have no affinity for the the drama of the Cold War. It's just not something I'm that intrigued by. So I guess I'll wait and see. But it absolutely, it does not grab me at all. It's tough because so much of the Cold War wasn't about combat. It was yeah. about espionage. And it's a direction that Call of Duty has not really done a lot of. Obviously, we've gotten certain missions in previous campaigns that have focused a little bit more on espionage. But it, Call of Duty is known for their big, bombastic, over-the-top action sequences with tanks and helicopters and other kinds of cool military gear. And espionage is not really like that. It's not really like James Bond, right? So <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna approach this. I'm very interested to see what this reveal is going to be like next week. Yeah, because it'd be one thing if this teaser even had more of a, a hint of like what could the Cold War have been, and like seemed like it was maybe going in that direction of like yes clearly alternate timeline really big crazy battles happening for you um but the 
trailer was like act inspired by actual events. Here's an actual former yeah. KGB's body. Like, so like what? Okay, I mean, I guess like we don't have that much longer to wait. So at this point, I'm just curious to see what it is. But it does it does strike me as a little bit odd. Yeah, I think I'm actually more interested in this one as I would be if this was your typical like bang boom bow war whoa kind of game because I think it sounds something just something different. And I think um, actually Nathaniel's show and also patreon.com slash what's good games had a question that kind of touches on this. And he asked, do you think that Activision should keep the way black ops flows or make it more realistic and modern warfare like? I personally enjoy the obvious difference in gameplay when playing team deathmatch in each game. Black ops feels more robotic with special abilities while modern warfare is more realistic and lifelike, focusing a lot more on the guns themselves and the special abilities. And I guess a game based off of the Cold War and, you know, inspired by actual events. What well, it just sounds a little bit more interesting than, you know, here's another World War II scenario. So for that reason, I think my interest has peaked a little more than usual. But it all comes down to what's what's going to happen on August 26th. We'll yeah. grab Rihanna and make her be like, oh, my God, I'm so excited for this. Wow. Most anticipated game. Whoa. We shall see. It won't. But that's fine. <laughs> I think oh, it might. I it think could. it might. Oh, really? I don't think. I don't know. Well, Why not? I, I feel give like it a chance. That's <laughs> true. No, that's, no, of it. No, 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 that's fair. I was being dramatic. I said, "Oh, this is the most excited she's going to be for a game in 2020." I mean, maybe, maybe, Ray. Maybe I don't know you all enough. I thought maybe, maybe. you were excited about something like a little cyberpunk or something. You know? I, I mean, I love Call of Duty. That's the thing. Like, I love shooters, and I really love multiplayer so like we'll see i don't know what exactly we'll find out on the 26th but i will definitely be paying attention because i want to be excited for the next call of duty game i love warzone and i really like the campaign of this call of duty or this year's call of duty and Mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm rooting for it but so far i'm just like okay what like what am i doing in the game so reed do you think it could tie in with warzone it could i don't think so but i mean they they might do some like weapons packs or costumes or whatever, but I think mm-hmm. Warzone is turning on its own. Seems and like it's standalone want, at this point, yeah. Yeah, and if they want to keep Warzone going and not impede it by any marketing cycles or any development cycles that the traditional Call of Duties have historically been a part of, they need to keep it separate. That was a big question we had when they debuted Warzone: was that how are they going to pack this in? Is it going to be part of each Call of Duty that you have to buy the sixty dollars game to get into Warzone? And obviously, that's not the case, right? We know that you can just download it free to play as its own standalone game. And so, I think that I don't, I don't anticipate there being like a big gameplay crossover but there might be like like i said like cosmetic crossover yeah, yeah or maybe like an ltm like limited time mode or you know mm-hmm. some special team objective game that is like again limited time like maybe there's a tie-in like andrew is describing but i doubt it. it's it's anything significant like you could get an entire well maybe there might be an update that coincides but yeah and th- i said that makes sense because it looks like in the youtube description it mentions the name verdansk which is the location That's of war zones yeah, yeah primary map so all right cool Let's go, Call of Duty. Well, we'll have more news for you on that next week, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, continuing on. I picked this title because <laughs> it reminds me of something Steimer would appreciate. Yeah, I kind of want to read it. Okay. All right, Steimer. <laughs> Let me do it. Let me do it. Okay. Facebook just told Oculus users to go get fucked. <laughs> this is via Gizmodo. Starting this October, a Facebook account will be mandatory for all future Oculus headsets. While there will be a grace period for anyone with a separate Oculus account, Facebook will end support for those on January 1st, 2023. 
The decision was announced today on both Oculus's Twitter and in a press release. The gist of it is that anyone is, who is new to an Oculus device after October has to log in with a Facebook account. At that time, existing Oculus users will have the option of merging their Facebook and Oculus accounts. Anyone who doesn't merge will have the two years before their Oculus accounts are kaput. The devices will still technically work, but for full functionality, you'll have to have a Facebook account. Um, Notably, all future unreleased Oculus devices will also require a Facebook account regardless of whether or not you already have an Oculus account. Uh, This is perhaps a reference to the rumored successor of the Oculus Quest, which leaks suggest may launch as early as September 15th. Um, so, like, what about the things you've already purchased on your Oculus account? Well, Facebook says it will take, quote, steps <laughs> to allow folks to keep the things that they've already bought. But you got to expect that some games and apps will just no longer work, hinting that developers may decide to include features that require a Facebook account or just stop supporting the app or game in question. Uh, as you might imagine, the replies on the Twitter announcement <laughs> are less than kind. In a few in- instances, users cried foul, pointing to a promise from founder Palmer Lucky, when Facebook acquired Oculus, that people wouldn't need to log into Facebook when they wanted to use their Oculus Rift. While the move is painted as a means of streamlining the VR experience by giving people a single way to log in, it's also a blatant attempt at forcing people onto Facebook's, pla- Facebook's platform so it can get your sweet, sweet data. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty thinly veiled attempt at getting more of your data from Facebook. I don't know who was fooled by that. <laughs> Literally <laughs> nobody. So easy. Yeah, I think like the sign in line we all agree is like utter bullshit is like the worst attempts ever. I think that <laughs> believing Palmer Lucky is also not really great. <laughs> but- the name like Palmer Lucky, first of all, <laughs> you just sound like a con artist. You just do. Well, he's definitely done some really not great things, that's for sure. I know, but I'm like, but like how if some dude walked into a room to try and pitch me on an idea. And he's like, I'm Palmer Lucky. I'd be like, goodbye, sir. <laughs> we don't need whatever you're selling. I don't need your snake oil up in here. We're good. Oh, my God. I mean, that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'm saying change your name is what yeah. I'm saying. So basically change your name. I mean, he probably could benefit, really, if he legally changed his name. It probably yeah. would At help this him point, in yeah. the business world. That's true. With the Google search. <laughs> But this is this is bad. This is a bad move. I'm disappointed that Facebook is doing this. Ugh. They have proven over the last 12 to 18 months that they've made some very egregious business decisions. And it's disappointing because I think that there's so much potential for them to do so much more good. And they do a lot of good with fundraising and a bunch of other things and connecting communities. We obviously very much love using the platform for our What's Good Games page but there's just some of the business decisions, the more egregious business decisions that upper management at Facebook is making more recently that are becoming less and less tolerable, less palatable. Yeah. And I think that Oculus being tied to Facebook and forcing users who adopted the platform early into making their hardware eventually obsolete. Thank goodness they gave them a, a good you know, um, runway, right? Two years yeah. is, a, is a lot of time. But to make that expensive piece of hardware something a nice you, paperweight for you. Yeah, it's like it's it's a bummer, right? It's it's very disappointing and quite frankly I I think it's really unnecessary. So, question for y'all, like is this a slow death march to the end of Oculus? No. I don't know because uh, I mean Mm-mm. people always talk about oh, how terrible Facebook is and there's still so many people using the platform. Ding ding ding. True. So like <laughs> 
it's one of those things where yeah the talk doesn't quite match your action for no. a lot of people i did delete my facebook account for the <laughs> smart so girl. stop tagging her on stuff guys she, <laughs> yeah she don't can't, tag me I, wait you can't, can't tag an account that doesn't exist well you can't anymore oh, okay yes. but like people would still even though Brittany and i were constantly like she's not she'll she'll never see she'll never see Correct. this i won't <laughs> let her see that if you want to talk to me you have to go to twitter and uh, there's not a great percentage chance that I'll reply to you there, but I might. <laughs> I went through my friends recently because a fr- another friend of mine was like, hey, if I haven't talked to you in a year, we probably aren't actually like friends that keep in touch. So I'm just going to delete you from Facebook. If you want to get a hold of me, you probably have my number. Hmm. I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I should go through and call it down. And I did. I deleted a bunch of people. And there were a lot of my friends who I did not realize or people that I actually talked to on the regular that deleted their Facebook accounts. And I just hmm. never noticed. Wow. And yeah. I would click on it and be like, this person has deactivated their account. If you delete them as a friend, and, but they reactivate their account, you'll have to send them a friend request again. Oh, no. And I'm like, pretty sure if they've deactivated their account, they're probably They're not coming not back. Yeah. <laughs> they're but, gone, son. <laughs> yeah. So um, I thought that that was really interesting. And, you know, we as a, as a, as a company, as a brand have, you know, checked in from time to time of like, you know, what you know, Facebook is doing and how they affect us and what we do at What's Good Games. And I think, like I said, it's it's a bummer because I think that they do such a great job of connecting people. And I just want them to be more responsible with people's data. And they just cannot help themselves. But they make yeah. so, much mean, money, money so much money, Andrea. So much money from that sweet, sweet, juicy, honey-flavored data. Wow, that got really weird. Um, <laughs> So nectar of sweet nectar. That's kind of more along the lines of what I was going for. But yeah, Rhea, I think like they said, I think too many people use this. And even if people do drop off in the end, Facebook will probably make more money because they're getting all that juicy, juicy data. And that probably offsets the cost of the units that they're not selling because people are like, I'm boycotting Facebook. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I love the Oculus Quest. And I think that Oculus as a device was so impactful and so innovative and really led the charge with VR not just in video games, but VR technologies really at large. And I am really, it bums me out that they would do this move when they don't have to. Like you, people already had Oculus accounts. You can afford to keep Oculus's data going on its own and not have to tie it to Facebook. You Uh can do it. You're just not doing it. (laughs) Like, correct. You have to force people's hands sometimes to get them to do what you want to do. Gotta go get a little arm twisting action in there. Man, yep. what a shame. But I guess it's another way for people to vote with their wallet if they don't like it. You can go to the other companies that are using your data. <laughs> like all of them. <laughs> so Literally all of them. <laughs> you are just a tiny blip of data for all these people. Man, that's mm-hmm. why the most recent season of Westworld was just like it hit me in a place that I was like, this is too Didn't real. watch it. Mm. Highly recommend. It was very good. Mm. Still a lot of murder. Unnecessary murder, but... Yeah, very wouldn't good. be Westworld More without a good smarter spree. Exactly, it's true. Well, mm. that is going to do it for our big stories, and now we're going to move on to in case you missed it. Yeah, so Baldur's Brittany, Gate three. I'm gonna, I feel like this one's all you. Oh, it yeah. is. All, I see. I even jumped the gun because I wanted to start talking about it. So Baldur's <laughs> Gate three got an early access release date. It was supposed to come in August, and then Larian was like, "Sorry, dogs, it's it's just not happening." So it's now coming September 30th with an asterisk. Thankfully, Swin is very uh, transparent. And he said, we want to we launch it on September 30th, but it might not happen because it sounds like they want to make sure it's optimized because it is coming to Stadia and Steam that more people can jump in. So they have to kind of, sounds like, lower, lower the graphical requirements <laughs> so more people can play. And for 
I think it's kind of crazy. The early access will contain roughly 20 hours of gameplay, which includes 80 combat encounters, 45,000 lines of voice dialogue in English, 596 interactable characters, 146 spells and actions, four-player online land co-op that won't be available at first, but it will be implemented later on. And they're being very honest and saying, this is not for the people who want a polished experience. This is for the people who want a rough experience, but get a good idea of what this game's going to be about. So you can give us our feedback so we can improve on it. Which is like, so cool. it's like a 20-hour demo? 20-hour demo of the first <laughs> act, essentially. That's a giant demo. I know. I'm so excited. That makes me nervous for the actual game. Uh, I want to... Normally, I would agree with you, but this is the same thing they did with Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin 2, and it's worked really well for them. So this is kind of just par for the course for Larian. So. I just mean the length. I don't mean the Oh, style, oh it's going to be doing. a huge-ass fucking game, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, I think I'm actually not going to play this, because uh, if it's 20 hours and it's a fraction of the first act, like... Oh, yeah. I don't think I can commit. <laughs> yeah. It'll probably... Sounds like maybe a bit much for me. It'll easily, I'd say, be a 100-hour game. Like, I, I'm fully confident in that so it's gonna be a big a big boy so sammy nichols on patreon.com slash what's good games submitted the following questions what do you uh, when do you think baldur's gate 2 baldur's gate 3 will come out fully and how friendly do you think baldur's gate 3 will be for new players as a lover of games such as divinity original sin and pillars of eternity they aren't very welcoming to new players of this genre so if you go to the steam page right now it's saying that the early access will be in effect for at least one year so I don't think, unfortunately, we get this game until 2022. Uh, I like that they're being optimistic with the release date, but I think we're just going to see more and more delays in the industry. I don't think this pandemic virus is going anywhere anytime soon. I think it's going to continue to cause more issues. So I would say 2022. And I think for new players, even me, when I saw this game at the reveal event before it was officially announced, gosh, was that in February or March of this year? I don't even know anymore. Uh, it was. It wasn't, con- it, at PAX, wasn't it at PAX East? That was the official it unveil. Was, yeah. But a few weeks before that, I was in San Francisco for the... Yeah, so it was it was February, because remember, that was when you came to shoot... That was the last time I saw you when you came to shoot the Patreon thing that we were a part of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been six months since I've smelled your hair. I, was, I thought oh. you were going to say since I felt you, and I was like, yes. And then you said smelt my hair, but that works too. I mean, we had that also conversation that. last week, and then I thought it might be a little lewd, so I went with smelt your hair. <laughs> oh, thanks, girl. I mean, we're, we don't stray away from the lewd here. Anywho, Sammy, um, even as someone who has played Divinity Original Sin 2 a few times, I know those mechanics inside out, I was even a little confused because this game definitely uses D&D mechanics that are a little, a little foreign to me, so I would say just prepare for another uh, learning curve as the divinities are. And that's the number one thing I tell people is play on baby ass baby mode because you got to get used to the combat. But the once you get used to it, you can crank it up and it'll be a good time. So there's Baldur's Gate 3. I want it right now. Right now. <laughs> you got to wait, Britt. got to uh, wait. I don't want to. I don't want it. All right, a couple other quick blips. You guys may have seen that there was a tease happening from... WB Montreal, I believe we're going to get an unveiling of their next Batman game at DC Fandom mm-hmm. this weekend. If you're listening to the podcast on any day other than Friday, you probably already know everything that's happening, not only for Warner Brothers Montreal, but also for Rocksteady Games. So we will update you guys that on the Monday show. Now, just a quick side note. We chose specifically not to talk about that document that came out about Rocksteady because we, again are not an investigative journalism outlet. There are plenty of other people that covered it earlier this week. Didn't feel like having that bummer of a conversation. Just be a better person. Be a good person. It's not that hard to be a good person. And that's Apparently all I'm going to say about is. that. 
Just mind your business, Apparently drink your water. Is, it. Um, some other news that I thought was super fun, just a hard pivot there. <laughs> Fall Guys are asking thirsty brands to give it up for charity. You guys may have seen on Twitter that the Fall Guys social media account is pitting big brands against each other because so many people have submitted brand mock-ups of what Fall Guys art could look like. We went over a couple of them last week, and they decided to turn it into something that they could do for good. So what they did is say that the highest bid will get their brand's art inside the game. So let me just read this little blurb from Polygon. The makers of Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout know their game is very popular. Uh, Mediatonic is forcing social media marketers to prove their thirst with cold, hard cash. (laughs) It says it will let the bidding go for another two weeks to see just how bad the brands want to ride their coattails, how much of that marketing paper they're willing to peel off. The UK-based philanthropy helps players with disabilities acquired set up from custom peripherals. I'm sorry, I left out how much of that marketing paper they're willing to peel off for special effect. That's the name of the organization that is going to be receiving the funds for this effort. Now, I haven't checked in today. Um, so Ninja made a donation. He split it with okay. someone else. Here you go. Uh, Ninja and like, AimLab for yeah. $420,069. Wow. And, and that was the top. But then, but then. 420, 420, 69. And then Tushy. Tushy Bidet then countered that and raised that bet by 69 cents. Mm-hmm. Oh, dang. So right now, the Tushy Bidet. The Bidets are coming bidet. for you? The Bidets are coming. The Bidet oh is coming boy. for them oh right boy. now. Oh, boy. So last I checked, yeah, Fall Guys was like, all right, we're going to bed. Uh, we had yeah. a long day. But as of right now, yeah, Tushy Bidet is in, in the lead with $420,069.69. Oh, and the shirt says, ask me about my butthole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the <laughs> face is a peach. guy would wear. That's amazing. It's pretty great. Um, I, I love it. I and love that Tushy Bidet is aware of this. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think it's great. I think that no matter who ends up winning, the real winner here is special effect. And that, to me, is worth it. I know that there were some people online that were kind of grumbling about the fact that influencers were joining the fray. And this was all meant to be you know, at brands like Doritos and Taco Bell and, you know, other big corporations. But who cares who's paying as long as people are winning, right? Like the idea that this money is going to help gamers with physical disabilities around the world is amazing. And I'm really excited that Mediatonic put this together. And I had no idea it was going to go that high because the last time I checked in, the bids were at like 30000 Oh, yeah. And now that they're well over $400,000, like yeah. such a boon for that charity. It's well, so Mr. Great. Beast yeah. jumped in there. And of course, you know, he escalates things. And then Ninja and yes, him are going back and forth. And then we see Aim Labs jump in and say, hey, Ninja, want to collab? And now they're at four twenty sixty nine sixty nine. Like, it is great to watch like this alongside with the griefing of tim the tap man which should be done in good spirit and not truly going after him because it is hard to get a win in fall guys okay mm-hmm. like seriously you got it today it's hard yeah. i still haven't gotten one but yeah seeing we'll all of this one, goodwill Ree. all of this goodwill is really great and it's Ree, nice to have bouncer. something positive on the internet oh thank you <laughs> i'll bounce i really need help it's really hard <laughs> it is hard it's I really know. hard but no this in is great deed and then we, oh, wait, we have a, is this a, a patreon.com slash what's good games right in about Fall Guys? 
It is, from and Mitch? I completely forgot about it. Yeah, it comes oh, from yeah. Mitch Crasson. Sorry, Mitch. Uh, which <laughs> of the costumes that are currently bidding for the Fall Guys Battle of the Brands do you want to win? The bidet is my favorite. I have to say, yeah, the bidet. We talked about it. Ask me about I mean, my butthole. Yeah, it's a pretty strong, pretty strong contender. Like, pretty don't I didn't see any of the other contenders. I appreciate on, Ninja here. and like what he does and the charities. He's a good guy, I think. But uh, I would rather see the bidet. I'd rather yeah. see the peach head. They're not in the running, but honestly, the Ooh. the Colonel from KFC one oh, is yes. definitely my favorite. It's so cute. Yeah, yeah. his little glasses and little little chin hairs. It, like, is very adorable. They're all. The I ninja, hope they just make the, that. The Ninja Fall guy is pretty cool though, with the with the blue with hair, the hair mm-hmm. and the yellow headband. Yeah, it's not bad. It's, um, I don't. I don't think I see what I'm trying to find. Other ones. What other brands were in it at the beginning? Do you guys remember? Mm-mm. Oh, oh, the Mr. Beast, oh, Mr. Beast one is, is pretty, pretty cool, cute. too. Yeah, Mr. Beast is okay. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, ask me about my butthole, though. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty damn good. Right? Yeah. yeah. Pretty damn good. So, if you guys want to follow that, of course, it's at Fall Guys Game on Twitter if you want to watch the shenanigans. <laughs> I don't normally follow game accounts because they come and go um a lot and it just kind of clutters my timeline but i've been following this because it's just so wholesome it is something good in the world i love it and then last but not least arcane has announced that death loop has been delayed to q2 2021 just add it to the pile of all the game (laughs) delays as a reminder that this is a timed playstation 5 exclusive from bethesda and arcane it was originally going to launch in the same window as the ps5 so this is probably the first big delay that the ps5 has announced so this game looks real good yeah Yeah. it does look cool take your time make the game that's it do what you gotta do indeed and on that note we're going to take our first break of the show when we come back we're going to talk about what we've been playing including Rhea and i's hands-on with the new operation in rainbow six siege Brittany has been playing a short hike the a short hike i was like there's an s and an h i don't remember (laughs) what it was Stick with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Andrew here with a couple of quick announcements for events happening this week on What's Good Games. Don't forget, this Saturday, August 22nd, we've got our Patreon exclusive streams. It's going to be super fun. It's one of our favorite streams that we do every month. And we are going to be doing our happy hour Q&A at noon PT. We are going to be doing a special shoot right after that. So the after hour stream is going to be a little bit delayed probably anticipate that being a little bit later on like 3 or 4 p.m and we'll update you guys on those times of course at patreon.com slash what's good games then we've got two other fun streams that i am going to be participating in for the big gamescom digital event that is happening next week so i'm going to be teaming up with the folks at the indie arena booth online which is essentially like a, a sister version of what the indie mega booth does at pax here in the states And I'm going to be streaming with them on their channel at 10.30 a.m. both Friday and Saturday. Hopefully you will join me for that. And I'm returning to the weekly on Twitch Gaming. So hopefully you guys will join me on Thursday at 11 a.m. Or excuse me, they're also doing that later in the day because of opening night live. (laughs) <laughs> which is also happening next week. So many streams, you guys. So many streams. It'll be and great. And of course, we'll be back on Monday. Uh, I'll be, be streaming be Opening Night Live. I'll be streaming oh, yeah? Opening Night Live. Maybe oh, yeah? I'll see if I can find a special guest to join me. So twitch.tv slash Plus Good Games. Join in. We'll grunt, we'll scream, we'll cry, and we'll sweat. Oh. It'll be great. Mm. It sounds good. I like sweating. 
That's a lot of No, I don't. No, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant to say. All right, that's enough of those. We'll see you later. Good, everybody. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing and any events that we have been to. And finally, Rihanna and I have been to an event. But we're going to get to that in just a minute because I want to let you know that this is made possible by two fantastic sponsors. First, ExpressVPN. When you use the bathroom, stay with me here, everybody. You always close the door behind you, right? You don't want random passerbys looking in on you all weird So why would you let people look in on you when you go online? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. And that's just rude. Did you know that your internet service provider, like your Comcast and Verizons of the world, know every single website that you visit, even if you're incognito mode? You think that they can't see you, but trust me. They can. And what's worse is that they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. I use ExpressVPN on all of my devices because it works on everything. I was just using it the other day when I was out looking at candles at Bath and Body Works. No judgment, okay? Phones and laptops and even routers so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN. And the best part is using ExpressVPN is as easy as closing the bathroom door. You just fire up the app, click that button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. Visiting expressvpn.com slash What's Good Games today, and you can use our exclusive link to get an extra three months free. That's right, you guys. Who doesn't like free stuff? That's expressvpn.com slash what's good games to get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash what's good games. And this episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by TheraOne. Now, whoever you are, 2020 has been more stressful than even most of us realize or really could have ever potentially imagined. Relaxation and peace of mind are getting harder and harder to achieve. I have a suggestion that can help. TheraOne CBD products. From tight muscles and tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wurzlin, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. Now, a lot of CBD products claim organic, but they still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you, and every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, or even the sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. Now through Labor Day, that's Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering What's Good Games listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. You've got to go to Theragun. Now, I know I've been saying Theragun. That's the name of the line. But remember, Theragun was the percussion therapy that started it all. Theragun.com slash what's good to get 
this deal. Buy one, get one free. Now, if you don't love what you get from TheraOne, you can send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. Now, this is not something that TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash what's good, but only until Labor Day, you guys. theragun.com slash what's good to get buy one, get one free. All right. Who wants to go first? Brittany? Me. Or Rihanna? Mine will be real quick. Gotta okay. get the quick one okay. out of the because way before it's a you get short hike. It's just a short hike. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. Oh, good job, Simon. See, I appreciate your I'm little so puns. I'm so Yes, you did real good. <laughs> Not really. Okay, so yeah, I just played a short hike, and this was part of the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. I think that's like the official name that they're calling Fucking it. Fucking nailed it. Thanks, the girl. Indies. So this exactly. So the description of this game is as follows. It's a little exploration game about hiking up a mountain. Hike, climb, and soar through peaceful mountainside landscapes of Hawk Peak Provincial Park. Follow the marked trails or explore the backcountry as you make your way to the summit. Along the way, meet other hikers, discover hidden treasures, and take in the world around you. And it's currently available on itch.io. I think that's how you say it. Epic, Steam, GOG. It's $8. And Simon, you're going to love this part. I finished it in an hour and a half. Oh, my God. This game was made for me. It was. So, so it was created, <laughs> created by one person, Adam Robinson Yu, and Mark Sparling did the soundtrack. So it's a two-guy team. And the idea is that you are Claire, and this is our favorite word on the podcast, an anthropomorphic, nailed it, bird. Ooh, good yes. job, Britt. I'm not going to lie. In my notes, I have it spelled out in three different sections. I have, oh, have anthropomorphic. Yeah, um, nice. Phonetically spelled. Phonetically, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, what's <laughs> Yep, that's the thing. So you travel to Hawk Peak where your Aunt May works as a ranger and there's no cell service, but Claire is expecting a very important phone call. So to get cell service, she decides she wants to climb to the highest point in the park. And it's your basic controls. You walk, you soar, well, glide technically, and you can climb. And to climb, you have to collect these things called golden feathers. And they give you, it's kind of like Link's stamina wheel in Breath of the Wild. Like the more stamina, the more golden feathers you have, the taller you can climb, the longer, the longer you can last. And it's essentially the game just starts out and you're like, okay, I got to get to the tallest point and get cell service. And that's the whole plot. And you can beeline it straight to the top if you want, or you can actually just stop and take in the sights around you and explore and go see what other people in this park are up to. It's on an island. So you can even get a boat and drive around if you want to. You can play a game called Beach Stickball which is like really silly, <laughs> but it's really cute. And it was hard because when I first started playing this, I, I think we're all kind of wired right now, especially to like go, go, see, see, do you kill the thing, move on to the next point, why am I playing this? And this game is very much about just stopping and taking your time and making it what you want. And whenever you're ready to start heading up those trails and beeline it, you absolutely can. But I stopped and I explored a bit. I found a kid who wanted seashells, so I kind of meandered about and found some seashells for that kid. There was someone That's who... so nice of you. I know. I'm such a nice person. Aww. I'd be like, yeah, you you can go get them. They're there on the beach. Well, I had to go all around <laughs> the island, Steimer, and I had to be a responsible adult, and I can't send a little child all by themselves on the island, you know? Where are their parents? I don't fucking know. Why is this kid on this island by themselves to begin with? I'd be less worried about them hunting for seashells on the island and more concerned as to how they got there in the first place. See, that's, <laughs> that's the attitude. A fair point. That's a fair that's point. That's a fair point. 
But I mean, <laughs> it was really much like I needed. I needed to take a moment and be and be like, Britt, you need to fucking relax and calm the fuck down and just calm down and enjoy this for what it is. Because, like I said, you know, you want to go on to the next thing and you want to. What am I doing? What's the point of all this? And again, it's very much just to relax. So you can kind of walk around, see what people are up to, what they're doing, and everyone. The writing in this game, even though there's not a ton of it, it's so well written and everyone's so fucking nice. And I have to say, I was even kind of taking a feel-good hike. It is a really good feel-good hike. And you'll just be on your way, and then maybe you'll come across someone who's like, oh, dang, I lost my headband. Oh, well. And you're like, well, I'll get it for you. I'm like, really? That's awesome. The writing kind of reminds me of A Night in the Woods. You know how it was Mm -hmm. kind of short but quirky and pretty humorous? And a lot of of personality, right? And it's very much so like that in this game. And I finished it in an hour and a half. And some people, I think if you 100% it, can spend up to four hours on it. I, mm. toward the end, kind of beelined it. You have to collect a certain amount of golden feathers to get enough stamina so you can finish the hike that you're trying to do. Uh, so uh, I had... I, I was going to say, otherwise, I'm like, is, could this game be over in five minutes? Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to the cell phone tower now. <laughs> yeah, so by completing the little missions, you know, you do get the feathers and then you can complete the hike. And there's some fun little puzzly mechanics in there nothing obviously complicated or anything like that but it was just a really nice i guess i'll call it a palate cleanser and it's so rare that i think we play a game like this where everyone is just so fucking nice in the game even all of the characters you're like oh wow like there's literally no failure in here it's just it's just a feel-good game and it's so cute yeah, yeah we're playing b-roll right now on youtube.com slash what's good games it's really colorful and you can you can change the pixelation of the game. You can, I don't know what the biggest one is, is I like my pixels big and crunchy. Or you can lower it down so it's more smooth, probably like what we're seeing right now. And now you can just glide and mess around and run into characters. There's 20 feathers in total. I did a fair amount of exploring in the beginning and I got eight characters, or eight feathers. And that was enough to finish the game. And the boat edition is actually new right now. It launched with the Switch title and it was a free update on PC. And, uh, yeah, it's just really cute. And it, you definitely continue thinking about it after you finish it. And uh, I would recommend <laughs> checking it out. I'm a terrible There's liar. Beach, I'm ball. a mess was some of the words that just popped up on screen there. Yep. And, uh, that's pretty funny to me. It this is. is definitely not what I imagined when you were describing it. But yeah. this is – I really – Yeah, I was, I think just, I was thinking of, like, a Firewatch. Mm. Yeah, I was picturing Firewatch as well. Thinking. Yep. But no, it's uh, definitely recommend, and it's $8 on the Switch eShop, and it's a little short experience, but it's definitely something that I think you keep thinking about after you finish it. And there's, a, you know, a lot of folks were saying it was such a cute game on PC. People had played it. You should definitely play it. You should definitely play it. I was like, okay, fine. And I'm glad I did. So I would recommend that you all play it as well. It's cute. It's nice. Oh, it's a feel-good game. Yeah. It's short. And it's I short mean, as fuck. A short feel-good game feels, feels like, like a home run. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. For $8? Yes. Yep. Yes. Boom. Ideal. Ship it. Um, a not short game. <laughs> I guess technically it's. I guess technically it's short because it's the matches aren't that long, but it's been running for a long time. Uh, it's Rainbow Six Siege. So, Re, yeah. Do you want to talk about Siege first, or do you want to talk about Apex first? Let's talk about Siege first. Okay. So we got to play at a press event. Thank you so much for Ubisoft for inviting Rihanna and I to participate in the Rainbow Six Siege event, where we got to test out this new operation, Operation Shadow Legacy, which was revealed just a couple of days ago. You guys may have seen some marketing materials about none other than Sam Fisher of Splinter Cell fame. It's such a bummer. 
that it's <laughs> I mean, inside well, Rainbow Six yeah. and not a Splinter Cell it was game. More game yeah. Like, yeah, like I, I don't dislike the thing, but you see the Splinter Cell, you get excited. <laughs> yes, like it's in Rainbow Six, and you're like, ah, oh, okay. yeah. Cool. No, I don't. I don't blame you for for not getting a little, you know, hot and bothered than let down. Lots of people on the internet had the exact same feeling of, wow, you totally teased me into thinking <laughs> that you guys were doing Splinter Cell, and now it's just Rainbow Six. But yeah. it was interesting getting to see him in the game. So his operator name is zero Mm -hmm. and it was interesting because in our group we kind of had some banter around (laughs) we've got to play of course shout out to Khalif Adams we got to play with Khalif from Spawn on Me and a couple of other uh, great journalists and actually they were they were really good. They were really good. <laughs> they definitely <laughs> saved the day. There was a, a shotgun spree that happened at one point oh, that I was genuinely impressed by. Like, it, it, he killed, like, three people in a row. And I was like, oh, my God, who is this? <laughs> this is great. We need to team up with them again, for sure. They were awesome. And we got to try on to check him out in the new gameplay. So just as, like, a, a recap, well, let me actually see if I can pull up the the trailer that exists Maybe what we could do is hear from you, Ree, about how you kind of felt about your playtime, not only with Zero, but about some of these other changes that happened. So they announced Ping 2.0. Of course, we've talked about Ping and how Apex has made Ping a thing that every game needs to have now. Um, Map ban is a feature that they've added, which is wild to think that it took this long (laughs) for it to get, knowing how the competitive scene of Rainbow has been really kicking for a long time now. They added a new secondary gadget, the Hard Breach Charge, a new Objects and sight colors, and also a new reinforcement pool. And that to me was a really cool little quality of life change that I didn't oh God, think I yes. wanted, but I'm so glad they added. Yeah, that, and we can talk about all of this, but definitely the, reinf- the reinforcement pool mechanic as opposed to each operator only having two reinforcements to use everyone has a pool that they can use so if you are a cap can who is a trapper or a rook who needs to put down little life vests for everybody to put on and protect themselves you don't have to spend your time during the prep phase reinforcing walls other people can do it for you and you are free to lay out your little items and your little goodies for everybody else and it makes it a lot more efficient during the prep phase because it is very very short and you only have a number of seconds to get ready for the people to start coming and attacking you. And it, it just makes everything a little bit more efficient if your team is working together. If your team isn't working together, then it's just a waste of time. But that's always the problem with, with Siege in general. Yeah, 100% agree that, you know, Siege is, I mean, they don't call it like a tactical squad shooter for, for nothing. <laughs> you have to you have to work with your squad. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so I have a little... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say I have a little B-roll here playing over your or over your comments uh, from Ubisoft about the uh, the new season. Yeah, and something that they showed a second ago was uh, the hard breach charge. So as, as I just mentioned, you can reinforce walls in Rainbow Six, and there are also walls that are typically indestructible. But we have a new item now, the hard breach, which will go through those walls. So it makes it really interesting because, as Andrew just mentioned, this is a tactical shooter. And placement and watching corners and angles and knowing where people will be approaching from is key to success in this game. But if you can knock out a wall that was just reinforced, that kind of blows a hole quite literally in the opposing team's plan. So it makes it really, really fresh and interesting. And quite honestly, that felt like playing the game for the first time in a few of these matches, even though we had a ringer on our team who was definitely carrying us for a few rounds. um, It was really, really fun and really, really um, competitive. And and that's something that we haven't had in a while because, you know, we get into our habits and we have our, our typical team makeups when we play with people like Ka, who we play with a lot. And I think it really freshened up the game. It was really, really cool. 
And what I really loved about playing with them, and I, I definitely feel like I need to look up their names to give them like proper yeah. props. <laughs> proper shock. I know credit. one was Morgan, who writes for PC Gamer and who has worked the Rainbow Six beat for a long time, and was it was really great. And I'm just like having a gap on who the other gentleman was that was playing with us, but it was really great talking to Morgan and kind of listening to him give us some insights into a game that Rihanna and I both love and we've played a lot of. But I think you and I both hadn't learned some of the more finite details about the game because we also play a lot of other games and cover a lot of other games that aren't a beat reporter that really highly focuses on one specific game and the competitive scene in that game. Mm -hmm. So it was really great to talk to him about some of these specific things that were changed. And it's something that longtime Rainbow Six players are going to notice are like the optical change (laughs) was really a big thing that he mentioned about how specific guns have different optical sites that they can and can't use now in order to make it more competitive. So for people who are unfamiliar with how Rainbow Six Siege works, there's an attacking team and a defending team in you usually have an objective. And so it's 5v5 and there's a whole set of operators that are just attackers and there's a whole set of operators that are just defenders. And each operator has a unique special ability and they also have very specific guns that they can use. You don't just have a roster of guns. You can slap whatever guns you want on the operator that you pick. That operator is restricted to the guns that they are locked to and that's it. And so what they found is that to make it more competitive, they changed some of the scope distances on some of these attackers to make it so that the defenders had a better fighting chance against them. Because <laughs> it's tough. It's tough because, like, on one hand, I think defenders inherently have a leg up, in my personal opinion. And then other people clearly prove me wrong when they come in with the attacking <laughs> skills and are like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you think that you were better than me? And I was like, no, I didn't. Uh, sorry. <laughs> How did I say? Oh, nice. my gosh. But, yeah, it was really fun to play and – you know, Zero as a character is really interesting That why they decided to bring Sam Fisher in. I think that he works really well in the kind of overall lore of Rainbow Six and this idea of doing a lot of espionage and using gadgets. And so here's the new optics that I was talking about. Mm. But so his big special is this camera that goes onto walls and can see on both the inside and the outside wall. And what I thought was really interesting about this is he can shoot the camera through a reinforced wall Mm -hmm. and then look at the lens, look into the camera and look into the room and then use it to turn around and look outside the room as well. And so you can use this by shooting the camera onto a floor. Like if you're on the second story of a building, you can shoot the camera into the floor and then have a camera view on that floor and on the floor below, which I thought was really awesome. Yeah, it's it definitely seems very useful. The, I found the problem with the Zero's camera to be, first it makes the really awesome, like, sound mm-hmm. that we're all very familiar with, but that means the opposing team can hear it too. And as soon as I heard it, I knew exactly where that camera was and just, mm-hmm. like, one little shot and it's gone. So mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see how people counter it and if there's any way that they can buff it or give it some additional reinforcement because, like, quite honestly, it's very easy to just pop it out as soon as you hear it go off. Here we have the camera in action. There, So that's the camera gun, and that's the view. As you can see, the kind of tricorn there um, that Splinter Cell is known for, him shooting it into the floor, up into the ceiling. I, I do like that it has that classic Splinter Cell sound, but I don't know how they're going to counteract that. Or if there's even a, a reason to, I guess, like, 
you have to be strategic about where you use it, right? Because maybe you want to place it in a position where you can potentially use it for your own team strategically and not to identify the enemy team. Yeah, or maybe you have like a Dokabi take, like maybe a Dokabi sent like knocks out all of their cell phones so that you know exactly where they are. You have a lion, you know, do the roar and then you know everybody is standing still okay, and then you, you shoot it somewhere. This game, what you're saying just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> you have Let a him say the lion do the roar <laughs> and then you'll have this guy hop through a what fence. What I'm saying is rah. if one of your fellow attackers kind of like lets you know where the enemy team is hiding, you could use that knowledge and that intel to shoot it somewhere where you know they aren't so they don't hear it. But even then, it's less exciting and less useful because they're already not there. You don't really need a a, a camera to see that angle already. To see um, where, you, where they're not. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's definitely tricky to use. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out over time. But right now, quite honestly, I think it's just too easy to counter because it's too identifiable. But Do you think it's just the volume of it? Do you think if they turned it down a little bit that yeah. it would be as noticeable? Maybe, or if, it, if it's only audible for the attacking team which sounds a little unfair but again mm-hmm. the, the yeah. balance between attack and attack and defense in rainbow six siege is like one of like the most difficult things i have ever seen play out in games so i'm sure they'll be tweaking it for a while yeah because like yeah. they do, it does need to make a sound because you do as the other team needs to be able to know when this is being used but mm-hmm. like maybe it just doesn't need to be like quite as loud <laughs> maybe you need to be like closer to it I don't know where I don't know what sort of range you're saying and this feels like it has, but that's mm-hmm. a good point though. I, I think that I mean I know I didn't pay attention to the range at which it was audible because I think about Valkyrie, yeah. who's an operator I love to play, who also has a camera system, and you don't know when she places her cameras, but when I activate the camera, like when I'm using the camera, it has like a little flashing light. So yeah. if I'm on the opposing team, I can see uh. when the enemy Valkyrie is like spying on me. And maybe that's the trade-off is that instead of having like a visual indicator, it's an audio indicator. But either way, like I'm with you that it kind of took a little bit away from it, but they did show a couple ways to counter it as well. Like mute counters it. Yeah. There's a couple of other people who was that we were talking about using. If you just have the lion roar, I'm oh, sure that would slow <laughs> it down. I was thinking about Thatcher because you, if you combo Thatcher and Zero together, yeah. you can essentially like. You can knock out any of their defense. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. excited to see this in in play. I'm excited to see more people more people check it out. And then ping the ping system. The new ping system is is chef's kiss. Tell me all about ping because ping means something very different to me as <laughs> somebody entrenched in the world of League of Legends, and it's not a good thing. Ping is basically your lag. Like, yeah, uh, that's true. Um, so, Re, as our resident Apex expert, what yeah. what is ping? Yeah, so ping, at least in, in this sense, is how you identify things in the world for your other teammates. And um, it's really, really improved. Like, the, the ping system in Apex is... Quite honestly, it's it's the standard at this point. It's contextualized. Anytime you ping something in the world for your teammates, they know exactly what it is. There's an audible call out from your character and they have a visual indicator telling you exactly like what it is that they're trying to mark for you. So, you know, if it's a gun, oh. if it's an enemy, if I'm going to go loot over there, all of that information is communicated with the ping and you don't need any voice chat whatsoever to communicate that information. Very, very critical for playing these very team-based critical games and um, really useful for people who, say, 
don't want to be on comms with strangers. So the ping system mm-hmm. is really, really, really critical and useful. Um, and the way that they've improved it, number one, they've made it so that you can still ping when you're uh, knocked out of the game, which <laughs> if you haven't played Siege... Oh, snap. Wait, so you're basically a like a ghost spy. You're huh. kind of like a ghost spy. It's similar to nice. what they've been doing in Hyperscape, Hyperscape where you run around that's... as an Echo. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, yeah, you can still look around and ping things in the world, and so that you're still contributing to your team, even if you aren't in the voice chat. Which well, and the yeah, yeah and the key difference though between ping and and marking people because you've been able to mark people in Rainbow for quite a long time, mm-hmm. but the ping is like a more of a soft, sneaky visual to your team because if you ping, only your team can see it. Right. But if you mark somebody, then everybody can see it. So, for example, if I'm on the enemy team and they have someone in the cameras that's been eliminated and they, you know, mark me, I get a notification on my screen that says, you've been spotted. Mm -hmm. And so then that makes me as a player... Run for the hills. Oh, shit. Or, yeah, so it means the enemy team knows where I am, but it also means there's a camera or a drone somewhere nearby that can see me that I have to eliminate. But when you ping somebody, it doesn't give you that, it doesn't give you that notification. Uh But it looks like the marks stay a lot longer Mm -hmm. in in the world. So, like, the visual indicator of the ping shows up, but it disappears relatively quickly. That's, like, the drawback. Yeah. Is that the enemy team doesn't know, but then you lose the marker right away, whereas the mark stays a lot longer, but then the enemy team knows that they've been marked. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about that, specifically when it comes to the beginning of each round, is that you can mark people and it identifies them, or you can ping them and then they don't know. But right. I, mean, I think when I say it identifies, I mean, it tells you what operator there are. Yeah. The ping system does not reveal who they are as an operator. And for high-level play for Rainbow Six, you want to know the operators that you're playing against. You know what special abilities that they have that you can counter. Exactly. So, so. it's like if I see a certain character out in the, the enemy team i know there's probably traps on the ground so i need to keep you know my feet my footsteps light or i know that they have valkyries so I'm, i should keep my eyes on a swivel for cameras that aren't in the usual spots it's really really good information when you're trying to attack specifically so yeah, yeah this is really really interesting but overall, we had a great time. I think we're looking forward to playing more. And um, thanks again to Ubisoft for inviting us to get an advanced sneak peek of this. And I don't have a specific date as to when this is going live. The PC test server is currently live. It went live on August 17th. And if you're already playing on PC, you probably know this already. But we'll, of course, keep you updated if we hear more. But Rihanna, yeah. another thing did go live this week. And a lot of people are talking about it. Yeah. New and- content for <laughs> Apex. I'll go quickly because, as we all know here, I can talk about Apex forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's but, okay. We made it. It's it's all good, girl. Like I don't really care about Apex, but I care about what you have to say. Oh, you love well, that cheesy that. friendship bullshit. That's true. <laughs> it's a nice spin. It's my there. jam. But that cheesy Simer, shit is Simer my jam. Right through me. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> uh, so we talk. We listen to you talk about Yakuza many times. So. And Destiny too. With you, you. like it, it's yeah, the thing we all do it for our friends. You know, yeah, that's what you exactly. do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we go right. on, baby girl. Go on. Tell us all Give the us Apex the things. All right. So Apex, the big, the big hotness is the new legend Rampart. Um, she is V cool. So I'll just read a little bit from Apex's site. So Ramya Parekh is a 21 year old British Indian blue collar private business owner. Yes, girl, who just needs a big gun and a backpack full of scrap metal to get by in the dangerous Wild West world of the Outlands. So 
Rampart is really cool. She has a little side ponytail, V80s, and she always uses bubble. She's always chewing bubble gum. She's mm-hmm. like super cute, right? And she has some pretty saucy voice lines too. I'm a big fan of her. And she has a giant minigun, and she can put that down as a Ooh. turret, and that is her ultimate move. Now she Ooh. can have up to three turrets on the field at a time. She also puts down a shield that blocks incoming fire and amplifies outgoing fire, and she can have five shields at a time. So if you do Whoa. this right, what? You could have five shields and three turrets, one for each person on your team, all pointed at the same (laughs) poor, unfortunate soul in the final circle. There is so much potential for this character. She is so cool. I I, I don't know if it's still cool to say things are your spirit animal, but I feel like Uh, this lady is my spirit animal. I can can definitely dig it, Brittany. She She is amazing. It's like the, the bubblegum thing just makes me think of like Duke Nukem. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. She just did the suck it. Oh my god, yes. Uh, yes. She's great. Great attitude. Her minigun is named Sheila. She calls it Sheila. She's like, Sheila's ready. <laughs> it's so cute. Oh my god, she's Australian and uh, really nails that that whole jargon and that slang. It's she's wonderful. Like a cross between Tiny Tina and like Duke Nukem. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, actually perfect. Oh, yes. That is perfect. Yes. Oh, slightly less insane. But yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, like toned down a notch. Yeah. Definitely. And um I've already unlocked a couple of her skins cuz they're really awesome and she has like the thing where she has like the multiple ties around her little ponytail and they're very very uh... cute. But yeah, she's really really useful. There's been a couple of comps that I have been curious about like if you can put up her shields and then you have maybe like a Gibraltar that puts a dome shield around you, maybe you can point your turret sticking out of that shield so you can't take oh. any incoming fire and you're just turreting everybody around you. Haven't tried that one yet. Also, if you put a well, what's it called? You can put a scope on your gun so that you can see through smoke. And if you have a Bangalore or a Cossack on your team who puts out gas clouds, maybe you can shoot through those clouds. I don't know if you can do that through her shield or not and still see people, but that's another comp that I want to try. There's just a lot of fun that I can see having <laughs> combining her abilities with other players. And um, I'm just really excited to play more of it. So I played I love- maybe about five hours of Rampart and I want more. I love hearing you talk about this game and drop it all this jargon that I'm like, oh, I don't know what that means, but it sounds really cool. So, uh, oh, hello. Do you think she's oh, OP? Oh, she sounds she's a little developer OP. developer that was on the Apex Legends YouTube I was like, who's that? Like, who is this? Oh, hello, who sir. Who's dude? He's, he's part of the respawn team. Those graphics are real good in Apex. Um, but yeah, do you think she? do you think she's OP or is she pretty balanced? She's pretty balanced so far. Uh, the timer on her turret is pretty low, but again, you can only have three of them, and they do need to reload. So um, her passive ability is that she has an infinite uh, mag for any light machine guns that you pick up in the world. And if you don't find a light machine gun, she basically doesn't have a passive. So she's not all around OP. Her real benefits are truly just that turret and that shield, um, because everything else is just depending on what random loot you find in the world. Um, also, right now, it's very hard to tell how much of a how much of a leg up you have with her shield because the positioning in Apex is a little bit fucked right now. Reason mm-hmm. being, they've also introduced a new mechanic where you actually craft and upgrade certain weapons and armor pieces in the game. So the only type of shield you can find now is an Evo shield, which gets stronger as you do damage. Before, you could find a shield that was like gold level that doesn't change at all no matter how much damage you do now if you don't find a shield and start doing damage early in the game you're basically completely squished 
And it makes it so that engagements are a lot sweatier. People are a lot more aggressive right now. And people are constantly looking for crafting materials and going to those um, replicators to level up their shields manually. And it, it concentrates all of the fire in a few spots on the map right now. So you know where everyone's going, but so does everyone else. And having a shield is like, it does diddly squat if everybody's behind you. So <laughs> it uh. makes it really complicated because people still haven't figured out their pacing yet in this new update. And um, it's hard to see where she's going to fall as far as power level. But right now she feels pretty balanced. I've been countered as her plenty of times and I've taken her out a couple of times too. Oh. Nice. Rip. Rip. Well, this is cool. I, I like how they're kind of taking a more Overwatch approach to the diversity of their characters, which oh, I think yeah. is very much needed, particularly in the competitive shooter space. And she looks fun. And I know that we've tried to figure <laughs> out a time to set up where you're going to teach me how to play Apex. Um, that mm-hmm. I, d- I feel like I would be dragging you down. I feel like you just don't <laughs> no, fly, no, of course girl. not. The matches go so fast. Like, you can just drop it right back in. It's super easy. It'd be fun. It's like a fall, guys. It's but similar to a fall, guys. <laughs> I win way more She's in like, Apex, yeah, though. Yeah, uh-huh. mm. it's just, just, just keep drinking, and it will be like fall, guys. <laughs> Your chances of winning are about the same. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm ex- as Brittany said, I'm excited that you're excited. And I know that there's been a lot of people talking about this character and talking about the new season. So I'm sure, you know, we're going to have more reports from our number one Apex correspondent. Yes, you will. Rihanna Manuel. Excellent. And on that <laughs> note, we're going to take our final break of the show. When we come back, everybody, we're going to be doing our Patreon produced segment for the month of August. And. This is kind of a fun one. We're going to be talking about our favorite and least favorite collectibles from video games and why. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast, and we're very excited that it is our Patreon-produced segment for the month of August because we're going to be talking about our favorite collectibles in a video game. But before we get to that, we want to give a big shout-out to our patrons, the people who make this segment possible. But more than that, they make What's Good Games possible. We say this every month. I'm going to keep saying it until I turn blue in the face. I love you guys. Don't turn blue in the face. Thanks, no, it's usually a lack of oxygen. It's not good. Yeah. But we have a lot of fantastic things that you guys can get. And by things, I mean benefits. And you can go to patreon.com slash what's good games and get the ad free tier. Or maybe you want to hear myself or one of these other lovely ladies mispronounce your name as we're <laughs> about to do. Then you can also go to patreon.com slash what's good games or whatever your reason is. If you just want to support our voices in the video game community. That's good enough reason to support what we do here at What's Good Games. And so we do this, our monthly shout-outs. Brittany, take it away. Wolf Lang. The supreme commander of the Cyber Chihuahua <laughs> Ninja Army. Really putting in work there. Uh, David Santos. <laughs> Andrew Courtney. Joe Wilson. Con Daddy. Dustin Toby. David Olaf. Captain Redbeard 86. <laughs> DK2112. Cody Becker. Nathan Watkins. Maz McAfee. The Male Escort. Sean Smith. Nathaniel Shoon. Daniel Hole. Bang, zoom, pow. 
Ooh, I like it. Ooh. Alexander David. Eric Z. Elmo Shell. Ermagerd or Winda. Reese is getting all the good ones. I know. You soon, I mean, you're all good ones. You're all good ones. You soon, Kajinomai. <laughs> Carla Callahan. Uh, I'm sorry, I mess it up every time. We've asked you soon to write in and give the phonetics pronunciation girl. of their name. Oh my god. So uh, have. That's the whole point of this. Chewie's Godson. Sorry. I mean, it's not. Carla. You said Carla. I did say Carla. Carla Callahan. Okay, and then I'll Michaela. say it again. Okay, stop. Go Autumn Chili's Godson. Go. Michaela Sage. Philip Dreher. Alex Kohler. Al Tribesman. Marcus Ian Brown. Marcos Antaveros. Mikey Phillips. Tracy H. Tony Shay. Tony Shay. Tara Bruno. Brittany Heath. Spelt Ron Britt. We'll call him. Trent Berry. Sean I. Justin Foss. Mav- isn't it? Is that? Okay, never mind. It, I thought it was somebody I, else. I, I know who you're thinking of. Uh, Matthew Simpson. Brian R. Johnson. There it is. Justin yep. Foshi. <laughs> Jasmine. Fake me out. <laughs> Patrick Landry. Jeff Phillips. Will Hernandez. Punctified. Rob Leonard. Melanthius Owens. Jake Sue. Brian Harper. Patrick Higgins. Kenneth Stimmel. Zach Hershey. Trent Pennington. Emily Kent. Roland Bala. E. Benjamin. Check this. Tyler Phillips. Krista Lindmark. Paris Satay. Jessica Bloom. Patrick Weller. Matthew Guerrero. Noel. <laughs> Noel Navarez. <laughs> Tyler Bacall. Martha Emery. Devin It's Adrian A. Rock Williams. Shai Jackson oh. Burgess. Mohammed Mohammed. Chris Wilson. Renata Burns. Alberto Andres Videla. Josela Bassa. Andrew Susan. Gary Peck. Nambui. Robert Adams. Michael Harris. Pete Shoemaker. RJ Bryan. Carl Peterson. Joe Kennison. Uh, Bill Sitwell. <laughs> Pure Blue Octopus. Reggie Nipson. Teresa Matt. Jason I was going to say, Brittany didn't do the noise. Brittany had to do the noise. I did the noise. I absolutely did. I'll never, I'll never miss that. Sorry. Wait, we have to get, we have to get Hasten again. Okay. Oh, <clears throat> uh, am I, is it me? It was me. No. I was clearing my throat. <clears> throat> oh. Jason Demers. <laughs> Alex Regopoulos. Andrew Cotton. Kia B. Joe Sheaf. Elizabeth Brooke. Gio Corsi. Malay Bittner. Jared Howard. Ozzy Mejia. Nicole Humphrey. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. The unnamed producer, John Drake. Oh. <gasps> you just outed him! Oh, Why would you do shit. that? He's no longer <laughs> unnamed. Identified producer, John Drake. The now-identified producer, John Drake. And the last but very not least, Trevor Snarky Starkey. Uh, thank you to everybody for supporting us at patreon.com slash what's good games. I love seeing you guys not only on our Patreon page, but in the Twitch chat as well, where you are incredibly generous and support our community there as well. So, Brittany, hmm. every month you pose a poll to our patrons. I do. Every month I'm like, what's up? Let us know what you want us to talk about this month. <laughs> and we get tons of submissions. I think this month we got like 18 or 19 a ton. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it was a big old poll. But the winning topic was submitted by Tracy H. And the topic is, what have been your favorite and least favorite collectibles <coughs> in a video game and why? 
Ooh. Mm. Ooh. So when we talk about collectibles, we're talking about things that you run around and pick up and you get like a trophy or an achievement for. Yeah, like yes? non-essential mm-hmm. items is what I would yeah. classify right. as. There's two kinds of collectibles for me. One is the collectible where they've tied in some sort of story element to it. And the other is literally just something for you to do. And a lot mm-hmm. of games have that. Or they have a little bit of mix of both. If it's like an Assassin's Creed where it's just... There's a lot of collectibles in those games. Um, but for me, I was thinking back to like Bioshock. Where you would go around and you collect the um, the tape recorders. And you just mm. listen to the stories. of, And it would just help build what Rapture was. Mm. And to me, that was really special and cool. I did not end up collecting all of them because I didn't follow a guide. But I was always really excited when I found one because I wanted to learn more about this place and figure out what had happened here um, or at least try and get some sort of glimpse into it. But there's so many things like Korok seeds or whatever where I'm just like, okay, <laughs> kind of go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, Korok seeds. I, yeah. I don't, why? I'm not, there's no, I'm not See, doing it. <laughs> I don't really mind the Korok seeds because they serve a purpose. You can use it to upgrade your shit. And I'm also with you in the sense that the stuff that I feel like builds on the story. So I think of like your Uncharted games and your Tomb Raider. Well, I guess that actually doesn't build up on the story. They're more interesting little tidbits where you can learn about the history of whatever land you're in during those games. I find those fascinating. And I'll maybe go out of my way if it's not too inconvenient to get those. But the ones I'll definitely say, and I quote Steimer, go fuck yourself, are the ones where it's just like, collect 200 of these for no reason just to collect them. Like I absolutely (laughs) despise those. Um, But the one that I always try to get, the game that I always try to get everything in is no surprise to anyone, Resident Evil, because I feel like the narrative storytelling in those games, while they're good, there's so much backstory and lore to those games that we don't really get to see throughout the video games, uh, the franchise. And, And you find so many interesting tidbits of info within those files that you'll find scattered around the levels that I really enjoy finding those. I want to learn about my zombies. <laughs> yeah. I understand. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. And while you guys were talking, the thing that I thought of when you mentioned Assassin's Creed was the sea shanties. Right? Yes. So that was really mm. introduced in Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag and they're bringing it back for Valhalla. And that was a collectible that I felt like really added a lot of color to the world and added some narrative interest. And trust me when I say that Assassin's Creed is one of the worst offenders with egregious <laughs> amounts of collectibles. Yeah. Like, map yeah. fatigue is collectibles real. Are collectibles and collectibles fuck the feathers. <laughs> fuck those feathers. Oh, my God. Dude, like, mm. there's just too, there's too oh. many things. Too many things happening. But I liked the sea shanty specifically because yes. it really kind of tied together this really nautical theme that they introduced. Obviously, we first saw it in Assassin's Creed 3, but it wasn't on display until 4. And I really love that. And that's still to this day one of my one of my favorites. Yeah, I love the sea shanties, too. And Black Flag is still the only Assassin's Creed I've ever finished. So it's it's one I, mean, I played I, the most. I don't blame you. They're long. They're arduous to finish sometimes. But mm. I've finished all of them except for Syndicate mm. and Odyssey. Honestly, I haven't yeah. finished Odyssey yet. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever actually gotten all collectibles in a game. And I can't. I don't know that I have. I, the, the games that I've platinumed, I don't think require that. Um, sure. Like, like Persona, it's not really like, well, I had to like get all the books. Yeah. There's so a game know, that maybe. I maybe didn't love, but I really enjoyed collecting things in, which was Last of Us Part 2. 
like similar to yeah similar to what you're saying Britt like I really liked getting some of those smaller stories to just like a father you know trying to take care of his son in their last days or you know two people who just missed each other and you find like their dead bodies (laughs) strung about the world but you figured out like what they were trying to do like they're trying to run away together or something like that like I love those smaller stories that really color the world of Seattle and and everything coming to a a very brutal end for a lot of people, but just still getting a glimpse into like how people relate to each other and try to take care of each other. And and that was, those were some really nice moments and they really made it worth like going through all of the side rooms and in part two. Mm -hmm. See, to me though, I'm like, I feel like those, I mean, they're kind of collectibles, but to me, the collectibles are like kind of the more bullshit items in that game. Like the cards, like the trading cards. Like, yeah, like the cards were like, they're, those are fun. Yeah. They're like, but they're actually kind of don't really fit in the world. <laughs> I like. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I weird, thought that they were dumb. It's but. just a weird side thing that they wanted to put in for having a collectible. And they thought it would be fun. And mm-hmm. it definitely paid tribute to a lot of people in the studio and what their ideas was. So mm-hmm. I don't blame them for that. But for me personally, okay. I didn't care too much about it. I yeah. just thought it was like, oh, there's, here's a, another card. Cool. Whatever. Um, and I would I would only look at it if like the name of the card really interested me. But. Yeah, no. So for me, I, I still I still gravitate toward like, what do they call them? I can't remember the name of them in Bioshock. Oh, the, like, um, mid doc kind of the things, audio, logs? Not, yeah, audio, audio logs. Yes, that's, yes, yeah. audio logs. I really like audio logs. Again, I never find all of them because <laughs> audio I, diaries. Maybe I don't. Um, audio diaries. Yeah, it right, looks Bioshock, like audio diaries audio is the yes. official term. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I love stuff like that. I'm drawn to collectibles too. That incite dialogue from a character and i think that's something i really unless i'm misremembering but misremembering i think about horizon zero dawn i mean i just played that last december but i collected everything in that game because i loved aloy so much as a character and i felt like whenever you would find certain things she would have a little one or two liner quip that i felt Mm. like dived into her personality and showed a different side of her from time to time that'll make me feel incentivized to go out and seek and find but the one thing i don't like is when those collectibles or even like these story-based collectibles, whatever you want to call them, are in a, in a spot which are so out of the way that you know getting it's going to be a pain in the mm. ass, and that's a puzzle in itself. I, er, I don't like that at all. Thankfully, I think Horizon was really good about that. The only ones that were really hard to find were I felt like the little dolls. I don't remember what they were called, but sometimes mm. you had to figure out how to scale the side of like a mountain or something and then get it. But yeah, I actually yeah. kind of enjoy that. Like. The sea shanty chase in particular, where you like you find it and then it's like, okay, I guess you gotta like walk this tightrope and jump over all these fucking roofs in order to get to it. Cause it's like, it's like right there and you're like, oh, all of my sailors would be so excited if they could sing this fucking song. Let me just get it. <laughs> like, Wait, did you have to chase them? Yeah. yeah. So, like, huh. I'm, I'm glad both of you like that, but for me, I would be like, this is stupid. Like, why, <laughs> why am I running through the rooftops trying to find this fucking song? So they could get, be Where's married. the music store? <laughs> it was where's like, the music there was barely, like, there wasn't even electricity. What do you mean, where's the music store? Um, they had music for sure. And if they didn't, what are you catching? You're catching fucking diseases in the air? Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, technically you're not wrong, but... They probably had sheet music. How you, else would you play it? You no, but that's what they were. They were sheets of paper that's that you I'm had saying. to change. So you would have, like, a place... Where, I mean, maybe it's not a store. Maybe they're not selling it, but everything has a price. <laughs> oh, it might God. be a chicken or an egg. But... <laughs> Bartering, Brittany. People would barter back in the day before there was currency. Like, people in AC out there hawking their CDs. They were like, hey. <laughs> they're like, hey, hey I got, air, got, got chicken. Yeah. This, is, this is worth a full Hen. I'll give you. I'll give you a CD for three chickens. <laughs> I don't know. That would oh, be Lord. an expensive ass CD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Three chickens, chickens that's a lot of eggs. Lot. That is a lot of eggs. They could feed a whole family for years. Oh, God. Yep. That's, a, that's a good point. I'm just trying to think of games that have really interesting collectibles that kind of span multiple genres. I mean, I think also of like the dog tags and gears and how that's yeah. like a really big collectible, but I never went on to find them yeah. so i definitely couldn't include them on this list because i felt like they were always so out of the way in weird obscure places that i didn't feel yeah. exploring because that game is not an exploration game yeah you really fair. would only have to explore just to find the dog tank i think that's also another interesting element to it right like whether or not you go into a game feeling like it's the type where you either want to or are expected to like walk around for gears i'm with you like i feel like it's more of a gallery shooter you're like okay i'm gonna walk into this room and kill everything in it and then walk into the next room and do the same thing um so to be like wait don't you want to go down this one weird path and like find a, some random shit in a hallway and you're like, and that's all you're gonna find you're gonna yeah. find literally nothing else i mean not, yeah, not really. really like that's not <laughs> super enticing to me maybe i'm sure that it is for somebody and that's totally fine but yeah i like i don't want to say like kind of like know your role a little bit or like know what you're trying to create and know what a player might be expecting from that experience and build into that a little bit more sometimes mm-hmm. i feel like collectibles is one of those really easy things that developers can miss the mark on because of that yeah that's very true that's very true it makes me think of collectibles that have meaningful impact and feel like they're worth chasing or because you just want to spend time in the world. I think that there's two sides to that, right? There's either something like in an Assassin's Creed, what they implemented later on, like the chasing these things delivers like experience that you can then use to build your character or you get more of like a, a, a lore bit from it. Like you would get in like a, like a division or something. I think of also like oh, yeah. just wanting to spend more time in the world. Like I did in God of War where I, chase down a lot of Odin's ravens, not because they were easy to find or because I particularly cared about them, but because I just didn't want to leave the game. I didn't want my experience with the game to be done. Yeah, no, I've definitely had... I mean, it was a long time ago. It was like 10 years ago at this point. (laughs) But I have had that feeling, so I understand it. Um, And it wasn't a collectible, though, really, but, I mean, with with Red Dead, right? The original Red Dead. I 100%ed that game. Did I have a collect? I don't remember if they had a collect. I don't remember because it's been so long and my memory is shit. All the games I just did blend one- into one at some point. <laughs> I just, I 100%ed the actual game content. I didn't get all of the trophies or the achievements. So okay. it looks like they had cigarette cards, treasure maps, dinosaur bones. But I don't remember if I had to it's find all of that in order to get 100% in the game. Mm. That's the question. I don't remember. But um red dead was one of those games where i just really loved being in that world so much i didn't mind right i just wanted something else to do which is why i knifed a bear on the ass like that's <laughs> i was just <laughs> otherwise why would you do that you wouldn't you would never you would never take a fucking short knife and attack a bear with it i mean that's I mean, you're not wrong, Simon. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. I probably would never attack a bear anyway. I'd no. probably be like, no, thank you, Mr. Bear. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I will let you eat your honey. No, goodbye. Your honey. Do you eat honey? I don't know if that's a real thing or a real thing. Winnie the Pooh eats his honey. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I, overall, I'm not really a big fan of collectibles. Like, overall, unless they're, they encompass the things we've talked about, they add to the story. It adds some insight into a character or it teaches you a little bit about the location that you're exploring. In fact, I don't remember what they were in Prince of Persia. I don't know if it was, I feel like it was a feather, but I don't think it was. It might have been like a gem or something. But this was also 10 years ago or so that I was playing it. And I hated it so much that I stopped playing the game. (laughs) And I think it was just because when you see those little like collectibles kind of floating around, 
in random spots of the world, it really takes me out of the immersion. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a game. It feels a little too arcadey for certain games, mm-hmm. especially if it's a narrative-focused game. You see, like, these random dots just, like, floating around. Like, this isn't a Mario game. Like, get your <laughs> gems out of here. They don't just randomly So it looks like there. sand clouds if you were playing Sands of Time. Do you remember which Prince of Persia no, you were playing? No, I have the no clue. I'm going like to try to find out, but I don't think it was sand. It was some, like, shiny thing, I feel like. Shiny. Yeah, I do th- I do know the feeling, though, when you see a collectible and it looks inachievable in a way, and then you're yeah. just like, well, either I need to wait a long time until I have some sort of skill that I've mastered to get up there, or I've, like, upgraded something. To me, I kind of get irritated only because if you're going to do that in a game, I want a really good marking system in it. Some of them do. Some of them have fine maps, and that's totally cool. But... Otherwise, I'm like, I'm gonna forget that this is here. Mm-hmm. Like, let me. Like, why? Like, I can't. I can't be bothered with this. Okay. So, here how did you feel about the? Oh, so sorry, far, okay. go it's ahead. called the Light Seeds in Prince of Persia. Oh yes. And there was yeah. 900 of them. Jesus. Jesus, it's as bad as Korok seeds. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, why? 900. Well, you don't need 900 of anything except dollars and multiple times. Yep. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong there. Oh, so how did you feel about the golden bananas of Donkey Kong Country? Um, DK64. I mean, I didn't get all of them. <laughs> but see, I feel so like... Yeah, but you're not like so okay. good at DK. I, Donkey Kong Country is my shit. <laughs> yeah. DK64 is a whole other beast. But in that kind of game, I feel like it makes sense. Like I said, the Mario example. It's a platform where the point is to jump and explore and get to weird places and find weird things like gold bananas and Slap coins. the ground in weird places. Slap the find ground. Those bananas. Find a tire that pops out of the ground. I don't know why slapping <laughs> on the ground does yes. it. But apparently, I don't know why either. He's got some real big fists. I guess so. And the shockwave <laughs> takes that rubber tire and boop, up, up it goes. Just like that like, makes boop. sense because you're playing this game kind of. You kind of have like that arcadey sense to it. But when it's supposed to be a narrative-driven like, game, it's like, eh, eh. The gorilla rides an ostrich and it can still somewhat fly. Oh, it's brilliant! Sure. And he wears sneakers and tennis shoes. Right, it's awesome. One that is a one stylish ostrich. I oh, it is. Say. They should actually make. If they were really smart, they'd do like a streetwear collection with the with the with the ostrich. The Ooh. ostrich, I saw, ooh, yeah. Like get like some some fancy ass shoes for him. Oh yeah, yeah. maybe absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah, good game. Wow. Hey Kong. Yep. Does anybody also, have any other video game collectibles that they are itching to talk about? Brittany? I would really, I would really like to just quickly say, fuck the fucking eggs in Animal Crossing. Never do that shit again. <laughs> Never again. Never again. So I dodged that bullet because I didn't start my (laughs) obsessive Animal Crossing playthrough until after the Easter event was over. Zipper the but all I heard was monstrous rabbits. It was the worst. It crossed over with the the cherry blossom event, and I could not find any cherry blossom recipes because all I got were eggs. Everywhere I looked, there were eggs everywhere. Left eggs, right eggs, above eggs, in the fucking ground eggs. They were everywhere. Eggs. Yes. And I hated it. I hated it. I, All I wanted was I pretty really... pink shit, and I got eggs. <laughs> Note to self: so, Don't you wanted ever... to hear about our least favorite video game <laughs> ever? Give Rhea it's eggs. True. Apparently, don't give me eggs. Like eggs. Here's the thing: I love eggs in real life, but I'm 100 with Rhea because yeah. I was still playing Animal Crossing when this event happened, and I was horrified by the amount of eggs. So <laughs> Zipper is what drove you away. Zipper drove me out of Animal Crossing. Number one. He looks like a serial killer. Yep. He looks like Zipper means that he's going to skin you and yes. zip your skin up over top of oh, his fuck, and wear girl. you. 1,000%. And then, not to mention that, that he's littering the world with all sorts of garbage you don't want. So he's polluting, and I don't like it. He's we a don't menace. need your eggs. Hold on. Here. A menace. Eggs, when eggs rot, <laughs> guess what? They smell. 
They smell real bad. So Animal Crossing, that island, not going to be so great if you don't find all the zipper's eggs. Yeah, zipper was pretty Look scary. at this horror story of a rabbit. Hold on. Let me he go. had those big, like, vague eyes. Dead it, eyes. It, it was literally like Donnie zipper Darko, doesn't but like in a Nintendo version. Incorrect. I'm sorry, you're okay. Also, like, I was looking for this. I was looking for this photo. Here we go. Let me just open a new tab. Mm. No, oh. no, I just want to see the photo. It's Creepy. like, here's an article. And you're like, we don't need the article. We just need the image. Thanks <laughs> a lot, Creepy bunny. Bring- and this was Animal Crossing's first major DLC, wasn't it? Well, major. Uh, it was slightly it was after the Trade Blossom event, which was superior events. and should have been by itself. Ah, got it. Yeah, no, if it was just cherry blossoms, I actually... I oh, see? Oh, my God, that is kind of fucking scary. Right? He's yeah, horrifying. <laughs> is that a visor? Um, what is... Th- Huh. Yes, he's like a visor off to the side, which completely Ugh. negates the purpose of the visor in general, which is to keep the sun out of your eyes and off of your face. He's um, trying to. Yeah, his pupils are Steimer highly dilated. Steimer has thoughts and feelings about zipper that are clearly repressed, and we I need also to just really get them out. Don't like that. Like, if you go back to his photo for a second, let me lose. <laughs> so he's. I love Care Bears. Fuck this rabbit. He's got like a Care Bear thing on his stomach. I don't he like kind it. Of, he kind of does. Mm. Uh, Let me see yeah. if I can get Bob some actual B roll of Zipper. Are you trying no. to give this to Nightmares, Andrea? What are you doing? No one needs to see this little fucker no, okay, in action. Okay, fine. We'll leave, we'll leave Zipper leave behind. Zipper alone. We'll leave Zipper behind. Zipper should never come back to Animal Crossing Mm-mm. because he scared me away from it. Yeah, Nintendo probably it. took Zipper in the back alley, beat it with a stick, and now it's in a garbage somewhere. So don't. They worry. should. I hate it Zipper a lot. Zipper should be part of Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, <laughs> I love you know, rabbits. Speaking too, of though. rabbits, Throw some carrots in there. Red ate a rabbit yesterday, and it was really gross. Ew. Oh no! What he ate a rabbit? I, I think this rabbit had been deceased for some time. Okay, and so uh, found, I think that's kind of worse. Found a rabbit. It smelled probably milk. really good to him, and walked out. And there's my lovely, lovely derpy boy with some rabbit legs sticking out of his mouth. Um, oh, rabbit no. legs for dinner. Oh. Delicious. Yeah. This is what happens when you feed your animal raw meat. Yeah, that's they're it. like this is just food. Yeah. What do you mean? What's wrong? I with can't this? be mad. He's a wolf. Life. He's a vicious, scary wolf. I can't be mad. But I was like, dang, that's fucking gross. He would be the derpiest wolf of all time. Can you imagine? <laughs> You'd just be like, what? <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> oh, woo. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. Um, I feel like I definitely need to make that some kind of noise on, on our Twitch alerts. Um, yes, absolutely. Amazing. All right. I think on that note, Tracy, thank you so much for your submission. Thank you to everybody who voted and thank you to everybody who supports What's Good Games at patreon.com slash what's good games. We look forward to seeing you at the happy hour stream this weekend. But for now, I think we're going to say adieu. Have a good night, so everybody. Of you. Well, yeah. you know, <laughs> I try. I'm very fancy. That's not that's not a thing. <laughs> it sounded good. I don't know any better. Good job. Okay, bye. I'm just going to go now. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye.